0: All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Monday, everybody. We are live on AMP, so if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. What an unbelievable basketball game that we just watched between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Lakers. Desmond Bain and John Morant soundly outplay LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and then somehow LeBron James in year 20 digs down and steals the game. We have I I, I don't even know where to start. I've got tons of thoughts on this particular game. We're going to hit it from every single angle. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, don't forget you can find them wherever you find your podcasts under hoops tonight. Last but not least, you guys have heard me talk about game time the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. If you're looking to get out to an NBA game or an NHL playoff game or a baseball game, which is getting increasingly harder to find uh, on television or even a concert or a comedy show, GameTime has amazing last minute deals on tickets to all of these. So if you're looking to get out to see your favorite NBA team or NHL team playing the playoffs, Game Time has you covered. Or if your favorite artist is touring around the country and coming nearby your town and you want to go see them in person, GameTime has a deal for you. No matter where you live, Get out and have some fun this week. Download the Game Time app. Enter your email and redeem code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, enter your email and the code HOOPS, that's H O O P S, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So, you know, I talked a lot about rock fights over the course of the regular season, the rock fights happen a lot. In the NBA playoffs. And it's a huge part of why I've always been such a big believer in the LeBron James and Anthony Davis core. And my skepticism surrounding the Lakers, and we're going to talk a lot about my skepticism surrounding the Lakers in the second half of this video, but my skepticism surrounds more this specific iteration of the LeBron James, Anthony Davis duo and some of the issues with this particular roster and with their particular kind of uh, like their makeup and their basketball character. But At its core, LeBron James and Anthony Davis is my favorite duo that you could possibly have for these types of basketball games. And the reason why I think that's so dangerous is so many NBA games, especially in the playoffs, devolve into this type of basketball. There are games that are more free-flowing. There are games where skill players dominate. And you will see games like that. And this Lakers team will lose games like that sometimes. As a matter of fact, there was one guy in this game that had all of his skill shots going. It was Desmond Bain. In big shock, he was like the best player on the floor for most of the night, right? Because in a game where nobody can make a wide open three and so much contact was being allowed at the rim, those little short little 15-foot pull-up jump shots in the mid-range were kind of where things were opening up. And Desmond Bain was the only guy confidently stepping into jump shots tonight and that's what made him so valuable in this particular game but usually the over the 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 tons of physicality wears on everyone's legs takes everyone out of rhythm and even really skilled players can struggle to put the ball in the basket I, th- I think you saw that even among the many skilled players that play for both of these teams in this particular game and here's the advantage in an environment where it's a fist fight, and everything is allowed, and if you go to the basket and you take some contact and you miss a layup and you fall on the ground, they're running the other way while you're complaining to the refs, and there was a lot of that from John Morant tonight. There was a lot of that from Anthony Davis tonight. There was a lot of that from everybody on both teams tonight. There was a lot of falling down and complaining when nothing was getting called, and the reality was that's just the kind of game it was, and having guys that are built like a truck that can finish through contact around the rim becomes immensely valuable in this setting. And to LeBron's credit, because LeBron was being kind of hesitant. He was being guarded by Xavier Tillman down the stretch of this game. And I kept thinking to myself like, man, like he's got to be able to beat Xavier Tillman off the dribble, but he kept calling for action to get John Morant into the screen and like Rui Hachimura would set the screen and Rui would roll to the basket and Ja would do what a lot of teams do when they don't want to switch their weaker defender onto another team's uh, best player they will hedge and recover so Ja would like kind of hedge out on LeBron that would kind of temporarily dissuade LeBron from taking that quick three and then Xavier Tillman would just kind of wait there at the three-point line and Rui Hachimura is rolling to the basket but He's not open because everything's congested in the basket because nobody can make a three in the damn game. And so I kept thinking to myself, like these John Morant go uh, these ghost screens with Rui Hachimura aren't doing anything. Like he's got to eventually just beat Xavier Tillman off the dribble. And there it was, last possession, down to six seconds left. LeBron James dug way deep in his reservoir and beat Xavier Tillman off the dribble and elevated as high as he possibly could over a rapidly approaching Jaron Jackson Jr. and somehow finished over the top. And then he did it two additional times in overtime. Like, all of these are ugly. They're going into traffic. Guy's, like, riding his hip, and he's throwing an off-arm. The other guy's hitting him with his hands. He's getting hacked on the way. Like, everyone's getting fouled. It's just, go put the ball in the basket by any means necessary. It almost devolves into like American Gladiator. Like I remember when my I you know my brothers and I were we all uh, played sports in college. We're all athletes. We're all bigger guys. We used to like throw a laundry basket on the ottoman in the living room and like ball have a balled up sock and you're like tackling each other to get and put the balled up sock in the in the laundry basket when you're a kid just trying to find something to occupy yourself. Or I've talked about pool basketball and how violent that can be. Like that's what these games devolve down into. And LeBron's 270 pounds and six foot nine, and is used to finishing through contact. So suddenly, what happened down the stretch of this game after Desmond Bain was so skilled at knocking down all these shots? And big shout out to D'Angelo Russell, who I thought had a really rough night on both ends of the floor, but he had three massive threes down the stretch of this game that completely erased the damage that Desmond Bain had been doing and gave the Lakers a fighting chance before he fouled out of the game. But what happened from there? Then Desmond Bain went cold. John Morant, who kind of got going at various points in the game, went cold. So now Desmond Bain is cold. John Morant's cold. LeBron James is cold. Anthony Davis is cold. Nobody knows what to do. In that environment, LeBron ascended and became the best player on the floor. In a night where, for 46 minutes or so, Desmond Bain and John Morant were the two best players on the floor. In the last two minutes or last few possessions, and then all of overtime, all of a sudden Anthony Davis and LeBron James became the best players on the floor. I was a little critical of them earlier in the game because I didn't think LeBron and AD were bringing enough athletic effort. There was a huge play down the stretch of the game where Desmond Bain hit a three to put Memphis up seven. And if you remember on that play, Xavier Tillman crashed out of the corner on LeBron. LeBron didn't box him out. And then Jaron Jackson was in a battle with Anthony Davis for rebounding position, and Anthony Davis just kind of let him go around him. And Jaron Jackson got an offensive rebound, kick out to Desmond Bain, pump fake, Austin Reeves flies by, knocks down the three. couple possessions later, though, LeBron and AD finally engaged themselves. D'Angelo Russell rims out a three from the top of the key. LeBron comes flying in and taps it back out. Because guess what? He's still one of the best athletes on the floor. Ends up in D'Angelo Russell's hands again. Another wide open three. Misses it again. Now Anthony Davis comes flying in and grabs the offensive rebound and goes up and draws a foul on Xavier Tillman. As soon as LeBron and AD started to match Memphis's effort and physicality, they ascended and became the best players on the floor in a rock fight. Now, what's incur- this, this game became monumentally important for the Lakers. They're not going to face a team as physical as this team, Probably the rest of their time in the Western Conference. They might find something like that out of the East. They're going to be bigger and stronger than Golden State at every position. They're going to be bigger and stronger than Sacramento at every position. They'll probably be bigger and stronger. They will be bigger and stronger than Phoenix at every position. And they're going to have some advantages against Denver. But in this particular matchup, physicality rules the day. And it was so important for them to end this series quickly. Memphis has a really good chance to win game five, and they should feel good about their chances, especially with the, if they play with a similar effort that they played with tonight. But getting it to 3-1 gives you a guaranteed closeout game in game six. So massive win for the Lakers. And if you want, on a bright side of things, like I will say that in an environment like this, where you get Rui Hachimura's first so-so game of the series— LeBron James struggling in a bunch of specific shot-making areas. Anthony Davis with, like, one of the worst games I've ever seen him play, certainly in the playoffs, up until the final few minutes. To win that game, that, that, that to me is, a, is an indicator of some of the strengths of this roster overall. Because one of the things that this particular group has is depth, which is something they did not have in the past. And they could not weather bad LeBron games and bad Anthony Davis games. But in a night where Austin Reeves kind of struggled to make rim decisions, he made a couple of plays at the end. And I think you finished with 20-something points. They got got enough out of Austin Reeves. They got enough out of D'Angelo Russell. Even Rui, for as much as he struggled in certain phases of the game, I thought he grabbed a couple of massively important contested defensive rebounds down the stretch of this game. But I mean, like... You got a really bad game at a Dennis. he was just throwing the ball away. Like, like, like it, it, there d- a lot of things did not go the Lakers way in this game and they won. But I, I do I do want to like point out some of the realities of of the way I view this team in the grand scheme of things because I got a lot of Laker fans on my case today because with Colin Coward yesterday, I basically just said like hey, like they're inconsistent effort. Has the potential to get them beat. And again, like we're not just talking about Lakers, Grizzlies. It's there are 30 NBA teams. One gets the trophy. There are 20 that make the postseason. One gets the trophy. There are 16 that are guaranteed to have to be beaten four times out of seven. One gets the trophy. There are a lot of teams with lots of talent. Like, we can talk about the good with the Lakers, like LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They've got skilled players around them. They've got two different forwards that they can go to that have kind of different archetypes that can help in different ways. They've got three really good guards where, like, any two of them kind of make an interesting kind of combination. They've got some shooting and some other guys that can do some things off the bench. They've got lots of players. But guess what? So do the Celtics. So do the Bucks. So do the Sixers. So do the Warriors. The Warriors have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. Sacramento Kings have a lot of good, a lot of all these teams have good players. And so it becomes like tiny, tiny margins that we're talking about here. Like look look at this game in particular. The Lakers, I expect Memphis to win game five. I, I think that they're playing at a level that in the last couple quarters that I don't know if the Lakers are going to be able to match that on the road. Um, That might actually be the first game that I say bet a large uh, scoring margin since the Lakers have a tendency to lay down sometimes. But like the Lakers are going to have a chance to close them down and close them out in game six. That goes differently. LeBron misses that layup. Now it's 2 2 on the road in game five in Memphis, where they're probably going to be a slight favorite. Now all of a sudden you lose that game. Now your back is against the wall. All these playoff series are defined by the tiniest of margins, and the margins get tinier the further you get along when you start to play against better teams. And so, like, little things like... like I thought the Laker effort, for the most part, was good tonight. There were a handful of bad stretches. There was a bad stretch in the middle of the fourth quarter, and there was a bad stretch at the end of the second quarter when they blew that 13- or 15-point lead or whatever, and Memphis got it back to two before the half. But, like, that stretch before the end of the half... That, to me, is what changed the entire game. Desmond Bain started being super aggressive. Really started trying to put his head down and go to the rim. And he gained his confidence in that late second quarter run. Including hitting that three right before the end of the half. The Lakers relaxing a little bit. Bought a player in Desmond Bain who has been pretty consistently bad in his playoff career. Got him into rhythm. And then he had confidence. Confidence is a real thing. A couple of specific adjustments, you know, especially on the Laker front. Speaking of confidence, one of the big reasons why I think Anthony Davis is having such a bad series offensively is he's playing extended stretches of the game with Jared Vanderbilt on the floor. Especially with the starting lineup when Memphis is huge. I tweeted out a picture. I tweeted out a picture with the – uh, like kind of line score off the ESPN app. And you'll see two flat stretches. There's like a flat Laker stretch at the beginning and then a lot of scoring and then a flat Laker stretch at the end in the first half. And those two flat stretches are the Jared Vanderbilt stretches. Because when Jared Vanderbilt is on the floor, they put Xavier Tillman on Anthony Davis and they put Jaron Jackson on Jared Vanderbilt and they just ignore Jared Vanderbilt and it gives them the ability to hawk them. And again, like, okay, Jared made two threes. That's great. Here's the problem. That's six points, Okay. Every other possession, he's not being guarded. So if it's dramatically affecting the Lakers' offensive production in all of the other possessions too, that six points is not enough to make up for it. I've been talking for a while about how the major adjustment I expect Darvin Ham to eventually make, and I don't know when he's going to make it, but it's to put Rui Hachimura in the starting lineup. He's a better player than Jared Vanderbilt right now. And I mean, Dennis Schroeder at least gives you an option, another guy that you can put on a John Morant, so you don't necessarily have to have Rui, or you don't necessarily have to have Jared in that position. But it's just a big, it's a big part of starting the game like that is going to naturally get Anthony Davis more space, which is going to naturally get him in a better rhythm. Like, what ends up happening is you go these long stretches without touching the ball, and then the handful of times you do, you're getting swarmed, and so you turn it over, and you miss a shot. You don't feel great about yourself. Look at the difference in just the way John Morant and Desmond Bain played from the beginning of the game, when they didn't feel comfortable and they didn't feel confident, versus when they got their rhythm, and then suddenly they're just confidently working to their spots. It, I, I believe it'd go a long way just simply moving Rui Hachimura into the starting lineup. But this is this is uh this series is not over. The thing the one of the biggest reasons why I've been hesitant to consider the Lakers a legitimate championship contender is that effort piece, they just don't get it. This Memphis team in particular, you have to play 48 minutes of good basketball to beat them. They will not lay down. You could play 30 good minutes and then as soon as you relax, they will just drive the ball to the basket relentlessly and run it down your throat in transition, and suddenly you're going to find yourself in a seven- or eight-point game. And they, that 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 is going to even go up a level when they play against better teams. One other thing I wanted to talk about just in general was uh, the Darvin Ham situation. I, I noticed this with every team around the league. They're very quick to be critical of coaches. And... I believe it stems from just the the passion of fanhood, you know? So I want to cut people some slack. But I've typically been very hesitant to be critical of coaches, and one of the main reasons why is, like, to me, like, it's so easy to Monday morning quarterback this stuff, and coaches have really tough decisions. And sometimes it's like it's like, well, why aren't you playing this guy off the bench, or why aren't you playing that guy off the bench? And it's like, well, the gap between that guy and the guy we're talking about is usually pretty small, and like real, like he probably has some strength that the coach is seeing that he fits into the rotation in that specific spot. And every every fan base hates their rotation, and so I'm typically very slow to jump onto that train. But I want to be critical of Darvin Hand tonight because Rui Hachimura has been your third best player in this series. Lakers called a timeout with seven and a half minutes left in the third quarter because Memphis was on a run. There had been 29 and a half minutes of gameplay, or 28 and a half minutes of gameplay. And in that 28 and a half minutes, Jared Vanderbilt had played 20. Troy Brown Jr. had played 12 and Rui Hachimura had played 8 minutes out of 29 minutes. He's one of your three best players in this series. That's self-sabotage. You're keeping one of your best players on the bench. And and, and like I, I was I was just genuinely genuinely confused by that. The way he's been rotating the guards has been confusing to me too. Just these super long shifts for guys who are struggling. When the whole advantage of having four guards that can play and Malik Beasley, Austin Austin Reeves, uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell, and and Dennis Schroeder is like you can kind of play them based on who's playing well. Okay, D'Lo doesn't have it tonight. Dennis is a starting level guard that can play 35 minutes. Let's go with him. Okay, Dennis doesn't have it tonight. D'Angelo Russell is a starting level guard that can play 35 minutes. Let's lean on him heavily. Okay, Austin doesn't have it tonight. You know, You guys get the point. And then lastly, just the, the inability to adjust on the fly and make and, and uh, slow, slow down runs with a timeout. There were a lot of uh, my uh, Bucks fans who were critical of Mike Budenholzer as they blew their late 12-point lead against the Miami Heat. And by the way, we are going to break that game down tomorrow. But the whole run, he just didn't call a timeout. And same thing down the stretch of the first half in this game. I think the Lakers were up 48-33 to 33 or something like that. And Memphis is going on a run, and Darvin Ham's just sitting there with his hands in his pockets. Like, call a timeout. Identify what the issue is. Discuss with your players what's going on. Do something, and if for no reason other than to just disrupt the rhythm of the team that is scoring on you every time down the floor. Make them go sit down and cool off for a minute. Again, I'm I'm not the kind of guy that's typically very critical of coaches, but tonight I thought It was like 15% those handful of possessions where there are a handful of stretches where the Lakers let their foot off the gas, like 40% uh, Anthony Davis just really having a bad game. And then the rest of it, the 45% remaining, Darvin Ham, I thought was responsible for a uh, a big chunk of the predicament that they were in. Play your best players. Play complimentary players. Jaron Jackson... Taylor Jenkins is deliberately subbing Jaron Jackson out of the game early so that when Anthony Davis goes to the bench, he can bring Jaron Jackson back in to play like six or seven consecutive minutes against the Lakers bench. And they happen to fare well against him in this game, but in the other three games, they've been getting destroyed in those minutes. It's it's a simple adjustment. Taylor Jenkins is like, Okay, Darvin Ham is just going to stick with his scheduled rotation, so I might as well play Jaron Jackson against them. And Darvin Ham will not make that adjustment. So, I mean, Laker fans have been complaining about that all season. I've had many Laker fans, even some that I'm very close with, say, I don't believe in this team because of Darvin Ham. And I've been like, eh, you're fine. Tonight was the first night where I was like, whoa. He's doing some like serious damage here. And it's something that, again, like when the margins get tighter, that can be a problem. Um, like I said earlier, we're going to break down uh, heat bucks at some point uh, tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, keep an eye on my Twitter feed as I let you guys know the rest of the schedule. But that's all we have for tonight. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support. And we'll see you guys later this week.